Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I have to preface this video as the dynamics have changed since the recording of the conversation that you're about to either hear or watch. I had a wonderful conversation with Dr. Yardan Shabazz. Very enlightening, very rich story, very rich history associated with the Shabazz family. Dr. Yardan Shabazz left the conversation with a sense of urgency to reach out to his father. And it was a very timely act. Since the recording of this conversation and the airing of this podcast episode, Dr. Shabazz lost his father. This episode is airing with his blessing as he believes the testimony associated with this conversation and platform will help someone. And that's the point. Time heals nothing. Action does. This episode is respectfully presented in honor of Minister James Shabazz. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and, more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now... Here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast, episode 10. This is something to be celebrated because most podcasters don't make it to episode six. That was your lesson for today. Speaking of lessons, today we have a tremendous guest on the show, an educator, a very articulate brother. We're going to get into his full story. I want you guys to provide a warm virtual welcome for Dr. Yardan Shabazz. Dr. Shabazz, welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. How you doing, my brother? Ten. Time <laughs> peace. <laughs> it's up. It's up. I tell you what, people are going to look at this episode and be like, what, what happened? What happened between episode assist. nine and ten? I'm here what for happened? the assist. I know that's right. The dime, the dime. <laughs> How you doing, man? I always want to start the show making sure the guests are in a great headspace so that the conversation will reflect that. How you feeling, man? Yeah, great. I feel healthy, so that's good. Mm, talk about that. What does healthy feel like to you? Healthy feels like I stretched this morning. Ah, that's <laughs> so my back feels good enough for me to stand the required 13 to 14 hours per day day that I'm on my feet. Yeah, you're a teacher, you're an educator in yeah. Norfolk, Virginia, is that correct? Or Virginia Norfolk. Beach? I'm in Chesapeake, Virginia. Chesapeake. That's okay. where I teach. Chesapeake, Virginia. What school? Shout them out. I'm at Indian River High School in Chesapeake, Virginia, man. Have you Great always, school. you always taught high school? I have, I started in 19, 
my first day, I was a student teacher. It was October the 23rd, 1996. Gotcha. And that was in Chesapeake. And then I worked in Norfolk for a few years. And then I worked in California for a few years. Okay. Just two, actually, for a couple of years while Barbara was doing her internship. Well, she was okay. working her doctoral program. And then Chesapeake in 2004 until now. Okay, hold up. Time out, time out. We're not going to just glaze over the fact that there are two doctors in the house. Okay. I know you kind of, I know you want to skate past that, but you have two doctors in the house, uh, a la Cosby-esque show, right? We got two professionals, two professionals. I'm sure either one of you could have been a lawyer if you wanted to, but two professionals. We're going to celebrate that, especially in the black community. Uh, continue. That was just a quick aside. My fault. Yeah, well, Barbara's smarter. She has a doctoral degree in clinical psychology. Yeah. My doctoral degree is in education. Okay. Okay. What pushed you into education or was it even a push? It was, Freud would say it was all because of my father, because okay. he was a teacher. So my earliest memory of my father was seeing him teach and he would. Okay. And he had these, he had these models of the human head, the human skull, the brain. Okay. And I would always pick it up and play with it and break it. And ah. he would teach so that so he taught biology. And he would sometimes work as a substitute teacher when okay. I was in grade school and middle school and high school. Now would he be and your substitute or that that was just the thing that he was doing? Once he was my substitute once. Okay. He was actually subbing for my class, my ninth grade year. Wow. And ah, that's a, that's a, that's a critical year. That's the year amazing. you think you're cool. Oh, I was not cool. In ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I was not cool. And it was not cool to have your dad sub because True. everybody was joking. You were, oh man, come on, man. My dad's just trying to, she just had to play basketball. So I just kept my head down and we dribbled. But I, I for some reason, you looking at your father. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with why I'm teaching. And I knew exactly why I ended up teaching because wow. yeah, I saw him teaching. Okay. But it was something that you ultimately wanted to do. You saw the reference, you saw the model. It wasn't necessarily, hey, you go be a teacher because this is what our family does. This It was a was it your decision or was it my influence? He was always, he was always teaching because okay. my father was the minister at the masjid. So gotcha. I just, we're, we're going to come back to that. Cause I know that. that just went over somebody's head. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what a masjid is unless you just said it before we started rolling. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely come back to that. All right. I, I feel like, I feel like we're, we're, we're getting off into the story, but I want to kind of, I, I want to kind of uh, give a backdrop to your childhood. Uh, so clearly mm -hmm. that was a, that was a, it sounds like a continuous interaction with your father. He was around, uh, but how, how and where did you grow up? I grew up, we moved from East Orange, New Jersey oh. to we we moved to Virginia. So I grew up in in parts of Chesapeake, Virginia, and I grew up in parts of South Norfolk, Virginia. OK. What was what was the dynamic like? What was your your childhood, your earliest childhood memories? What was the environment like? Was it um, were you ever? in endangered environments? Was it pretty much middle-class? Just give us a reference as to how you, the how of growing up. Poor black family. Okay. okay. The, the, the typical poor black family. Okay. And there were four of us and my mother was always with us at home while my father was always at work. We were sure. the, the typical Poor black family. The gotcha. dad comes home angry. His name was James. We were we were the we were the family in good times. The prototype. We were the prototype family. <laughs> dad was always angry when he came home. I was always goofing off because I was trying to get attention. Yeah, never could get attention. So what do you do? You goof off. So I was the the goofball character, and 
we would eat the typical poor black family dinner every oh. night and oh. we lived off of processed foods and welfare cheese the that was the big block when you gotcha. had to you could cut it saw it okay it, it wouldn't even melt when you tried okay. to make a grilled cheese chewy, sandwich yeah. that was a hot it. chewy cheese sandwich hot chewy cheese sandwich yeah. but hey i was the only one on my street and one of very few in the whole neighborhood who actually had a father who was at mm. home. So, hey, he was angry. He didn't yeah. talk much. But he, I had a father. Yeah. What was what was the dynamic like? And it, it, it sounds very akin to my story, a lot of stories. Not necessarily angry, but just the, the, the less communicative father <laughs> in the house. What was what was your dynamic like with him, even though he was, you know, maybe angry at times or didn't communicate often? Did you fear him? Could you go to him and ask him things and have conversations or was it was it kind of a uh, that was a ruler and that were the rest? Right. It was a, he, he ruled and that was that was law. And there wasn't a lot of conversation and negotiation around what he said. In about, it was 1986 or 87, my friend Kevin goes, man, we're not going over your house, man. Your house is the library. You can't say anything because <laughs> my father would come home from a long day of work and it was, everybody be quiet. Okay. I just want to sit. Yeah. Don't say anything. So you couldn't, you couldn't make noise. So we were, you had to get out of the house and gotcha. no, he was the art. He was the archetype. Like, don't okay. like, hey, dad, what do you think about? All right, no problem. No, you're not going to talk. And okay, didn't talk. Was it no, he wasn't communicative, <laughs> it was the archetype, man. Dad, yeah, what, what did he say? What was the, the August Wilson monologue? I ain't got to like you, you got a roof over your head, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> right, right, your right, back. right. You got food in your right. belly. These are the requirements, requirements met. So <laughs> Is he is he still living? I want to be respectful. He is still living. Okay. And I try my best to to reach out now. Okay. So I'll send a I'll send a, a message through text, just a video. Okay. Every once a week, just to try to reach out. But I don't sure. I don't hear back from him. But okay, that's not a big deal because we may have talked over the last thirty. 35 years, maybe, maybe a dozen times. Wow. So I, I had a really interesting conversation with my father about his father's, his fatherhood or his fathering approach, his approach to being a father. Uh, probably two months ago, I'm 42. He's 73 now, but it was the first time we had a real heart to heart about here's what I thought about the situation. And here's the why the situation was what it was, right? And we had understanding as men. Did you, for me, that was some, closure is a terrible, I, it was, it was a needed conversation that gave me more context as into who he, who he was as a father and who I am and then becoming, right? I wanted to be informed about what things am I more prone to? What things did he know about his father? So we had that conversation. At any point in your adult life, did you have that dialogue with your father? Was there an understanding of the why? Was it not, you know, I did my job yeah, 18 years and. I made several attempts okay. and he would always dismiss it. I would write letters and say, you know, you were, I, I would write letters. One letter I wrote in 2000 and in 2001, when my firstborn son was about six months old. And I mm -hmm. wrote him, I write this letter. I say, I say, you were, you were Darth Vader and wow. I was Luke. You always ruled with this dark anger and you were always dark. You were just always dark. You were angry. You were violent. Yeah. You were dark. I was Luke because I know that there was good in you. I know that there was sure. good in you somewhere in there. Sure. And I wrote to him about, hey, man. In Return of the Jedi, Luke, he, 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 he pleads with his father, come on, man, I need for you to, I need for you to see, feel that good. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my father said, hey, man, you can stop. 
He told my brother, yo, man, tell your brother to stop sending these letters. Knock it off. <laughs> wow. Yo, man, yo, I'm, I'm sick of your brother sending these letters, man. He needs to get over it, man. Get over it. That's because we generally treat traumatic experiences and traumatic events in households, especially the black household. We, yeah. we, we treat it with let the passage of time heal it, smooth it over. All right, no one's talking about any that anymore. The passage of time, get over it. And yeah. no, I I never got over my father kicking me out the house yeah. at the age of nineteen. I, I I was angry for years. I was angry for yeah. years, and out of the blue, three years ago, Thanksgiving, three years ago, Thanksgiving, he just shows up at my door. And I, I beat him out in wow. the porch like, hey, hey, man. Lost? You lost? <laughs> yeah, right? So, and I'm thinking, what can I do for you? And he he, he sits down on the, 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 we have a chair outside on the porch. And uh-huh. he says, I was wrong what I did years ago. He, he does, wow. he's, it was not definitive. You just wow. say, I was wrong. I was wrong years ago. And I just want to let you know, I, I was wrong for that. And if there's anything I can do for you now, let wow. me know. And and I'm, I I appreciate that. My sons at that time were what, 17 and 15. <laughs> they couldn't wow. pick you out of a lineup. Right. It's maybe a little late for us to yeah. try to bring them up to speed because you still live five hours away. And I know that you're not going to make a consistent effort to forge a relationship at this point. And he didn't, but okay. It was a nice gesture nonetheless, but it was it was just interesting to see like him try to make amends in his yeah. he tried to make amends. He didn't he didn't do a great job with it, but I'm lucky because I'm married to a psychologist. <laughs> so I have, I have a yeah. psychologist in the house to explain yeah. to me. Well, why do I feel this way? I don't understand. And I, could you explain to me? And she, she effectively explained, I spend so much, so much time just being furious, just angry yeah. with dad. And by the time he stopped by the house three years ago on that Thanksgiving night, I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. I was it was hard to explain. She says, no, you're just yeah. spent. <laughs> you're emotionally spent and no hard feelings, but I appreciate the gesture. And I, from, from that point on, I, I send a, send a message. He doesn't respond to them, but I send them nonetheless. He may, he may respond to a message I sent last week in another month. Yeah, because by this time now his body's breaking down. He has he has diabetes, wow. Wow. and I understand. Yeah, I understand because there's a there's a book, Prince of Tides. Okay, it, that explains how you're not angry with dad. You're angry with the dad of your childhood. So, and I I wanted to I wanted to touch on that not so eloquently as knowing the book, but but I so was any part of your early parenting or marriage experience impacted by the level of anger that you just kind of characterized? If that's not too invasive, it was it, it had it had an effect on them on my marriage. It had an effect on my parenting yeah because everything dad taught me about fatherhood convinced me to do the exact opposite of what he did as a father (laughs) everything i learned from my father watching him as a husband yeah taught me and convinced me to do the exact opposite yeah which led to a successful marriage. <laughs> I would like to say, I would like to say successful parenting. Sure. I can't make that claim because my youngest son is in love with pop smoke. 
so that that so there's an episode for that, right? I got to hit like 25. Make sure people are with me before we start antagonizing folks and, and getting to uh, yeah. Um, no disrespect, I, me. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Oh, I have such a. Ooh. We, I mean, we could we could really pivot, but I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to pivot on this episode. Not my cup of tea, but yeah. I understand. I get it. Everything's not for everybody, but we'll definitely. I'm making a note to call the good doctor back for a fun episode on what real music is. People don't get stuck on that. We're going to move on. Um, so you becoming a ref, uh, reform is not a bad one, a healed individual, uh, finding your parenting style that worked for you in your home, finding your way to be a, 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 a husband that is present and provide what, uh, you know, what your, what your wife needs. We're not going to talk about how consistently, cause then I'd have to answer that too. But just, you know, you, you becoming a better person. What was the process like? Was it intentional? I know you have Dr. Barbara uh, as as a spouse, which is the cheat code, right? Um, just having access to her period is a cheat code because she's, she. I tell her she's my hero. She thinks I'm joking. Uh, and just for reference, people, I knew his wife before I knew him, right? To me, she's BJ. And I don't know if she's going to like me saying that on this <laughs> episode, but it's hard for me to call the Barbara. Anyhow, but how 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 was that? What was that process like? I, I imagine she was instrumental, but what was the what was the time horizon from anger? Uh, I am not, I am not positively contributing to this house to where you had a control of it uh, and started working towards mastering self, uh, which is a forever journey. What's good, fam? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. It has creation tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor will even help distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast, it's all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. When he got kicked, Kick. I was kicked out of the house. Dad said, get your stuff, get out. As a matter of fact, let me pack it up for you. Put it out in the oh, street. Wow. That was 19 years of age. Mm-hmm. At 19 years of age, I'm homeless. Wow. <laughs> and I was also in college. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, I had a friend who said, hey, man, you can live up in the attic of this dorm where, where I'm rooming. And that was a godsend. So we're talking about getting kicked out of the house while you're in college and finishing up college. And then from college, we're talking about maybe 10 years after college before I spoke with him and just had a conversation oh, with wow. him. And in, in during that time, I would maybe just give him a call just to just to hang up. I would ride by his house. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not gonna ride past that. <laughs> with that, with that, that, that there's there's some uh there's some passive aggression in, it was, in that. That was you need to hear me know that. Wow. <laughs> very. It was I would I would I would just pick up the phone and I would re- I would and I was ready to just curse him out and I, yeah. I would just hang up and I would drive by his house with a rock. So from time to time I would just go way off course because I'm living in one part of town in someone's attic and I would have a rock and, and I would just contemplate just, I would like plan, how can I do this? I, I would map it out. I'm going to throw the rock through the window and then I'm going to run, but I need someone to, to, to pick me up at the corner. So he won't know that it's me. Right. Because people just randomly walk by and throw rocks through windows and of course it's not the scapegoat son you kicked out at the age of 19 but wow that was that was a very that was a period of anger that i carried for so long and it took it took barbara to to constantly remind me you're not your father you're not your father and what he did to you is wrong. And even to this day, she still tells me, you are not your father. Aren't you happy? But now she adds, aren't you happy 
You're yeah. nothing like your father. Yeah. So I would tell my children, you guys have to be very happy. I am nothing like my father. How, how much insight or information did you have into your father's father in that relationship? My father's father, I would ask, hey, what was he like? What was he like? And it's always hush, hush, hush. You wow. can learn about him if you watch this documentary on who killed Malcolm X. My father is the, the person who, when you look at the screen, it says James Shabazz X, when they're interviewing him and he's saying, we don't know what Malcolm did. We don't know. We're, we're just not sure what Malcolm is talking. That's my grandfather. So wow. my grandfather, and he's also listed in a book, a couple of books, actually, on the history of the Nation of Islam in that during that block of time when Malcolm X was assassinated, and then my father, my grandfather ended up being assassinated in, wow. in what was it, September of, so he named me because I was born in August 10th, 1973. And then when I looked up the records, my grandfather was assassinated. It said, I believe it said September 1973. But for many, many years, he was talked about in the family as almost like a prophet. Right. And then I saw the documentary and the director was pointing fingers at him for maybe potentially being responsible for part of the conspiracy to assassinate Malcolm X. Wow, that's heavy. And I said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I was taught my whole life that he was this great man. Like, any merit to this? I called up a cousin and she goes, hey, I, I she said, I, I know, I know. I saw it too. I saw it too. She says, right. but my dad said that they're just, they're just speaking lies. They have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm thinking, okay, but all right, I understand because everything up until that point was hushed tones. And then, yeah. I asked my mother one year, hey, what was what was my grandfather like? Because no one talked about it. No one ever. Because it was very traumatic for the whole family when he was assassinated. And since black people are just now discovering therapy, <laughs> it's called mental right. therapy. Right. No one was ever, ever counseled. So they're traumatized to this day over that incident. And to this day, I could call a cousin or an aunt or an uncle. Hey, could you tell me more about how my grandfather was assassinated? They'll go, no, 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 not over the phone, not over the phone, not over the phone. No, 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 really? not over the phone. And then if you go down to visit, then they'll go, okay, let me tell you something, bro. I can't really talk about it. Like, you wow. know, we're in a room that's empty. <laughs> like yeah. it's, they still think the room is bugged and it, we're, that's trauma. But I Absolutely. asked my mother, I asked my mother, she said, he was a tyrant. Mm. And I said, well, I, I, that, no surprise there, because my father was a tyrant. <laughs> so right. he was the archetype based on his father's model. And it makes sense. That, that, that's, so facts aside, verification of the facts aside, just his proximity to such an iconic figure and pivotal point in history, let us, I mean, I, black history, history period. That's heavy, man. And then for it to be hush, hush, I can, I can, I am now in my mind going through all of the scenarios that like, this is a movie playing out in my mind of, of what could have happened. And that's a lot to not acknowledge or to have, to have, the information and then have to suppress it because that is what, that was what was best for the family. I can kind of understand how he could carry that kind of anger and, um, and not, and, and, you know, had the lack of communication that, that I, the listening audience, I wasn't expecting this. This was not rehearsed, <laughs> uh, but that, that is a very, that's a wild story. That's a wild, it's And I would, I, for personal reasons, I'm going to check in to see when you learn more about that, because that's there's a lot it, there. It, it was always it was always nice when they would talk to us in sound bites. Your your mm -hmm. grandfather, he took over the the the, the masjid when Malcolm X was assassinated. Your grandfather was known as the 
the the son of thunder. Your grandfather was a great man. And here are some pictures. And they would show us pictures. And in the pictures, you would see Elijah Muhammad, uh, my wow. father. You would see my grandfather. And it, it was common for my father to get home from school with Muhammad Ali <laughs> taking a nap on his couch. And, and, and the stories were beautiful. And wow. getting an opportunity, I was maybe, how old was I? Eight, maybe eight or nine. And Muhammad Ali is standing before him and he goes, what you got, huh? What you got, huh? Huh? And I just froze with sheer awe, like, huh, huh, come on, come on, come on. And it was, it was just, this is absolutely amazing. And that was your life. And, and that was life, but you can't get them to talk about it. Because if I were to ask my father now, hey, I remember meeting Muhammad Ali. Where were we again? And why was uh, I standing next to Muhammad Ali? Could you please explain it to me? Yeah. Because this memory is etched in stone, but there was never much dialogue from my father. It was get in the yeah. car. Come on, let's go. There was no, hey, we're going to a conference for the nation of Islam and it's going to be, but instead he will say, here's a picture of you in your FOI uniform with your brother. Gotcha. All right. Okay. The fruit of Islam. We got the, we have our fruit yeah. of Islam suits, even as toddlers. That's amazing. Wow. Never elaborated, never gave us backstory. We were just told your grandfather was a great man. With such a, a rich history, even with the holes in it, from your perspective now, did it create or does it create any pressure for how you live or what how you measure up, how you what your legacy should be or represent? Not that it duplicates, but just the. Like the, the, like that's that is that, those are some big shoes to fill, for lack of a better <laughs> expression. <laughs> Derek, I, I've spent. I've. I've maybe invested eight to 10 years trying to get dad's approval. Gentlemen, <laughs> fellas, brothers, sons, <laughs> fathers, you will never get dad's approval. Never. Wow. It doesn't matter what you do. I graduated from college. I got a job teaching and my father says, you need to go get a master's degree now. Never enough. I got my master's degree. Went went straight back to school, got my master's degree. He said, this is uh, that's good. That's good. But when you get that doctoral degree, that's now that's going to be something. <sighs> I got my doctoral degree and this is in, and this is through, hearing through my brothers because my brothers they still kept in contact with my father so wow. we would have communication through third parties because i couldn't i couldn't I, I couldn't just speak to my father now the anger was ebbing as i as i matured into my 20s it wasn't gone but it was getting there and especially after i had my first son then it was I don't have time to hate on anybody anymore, man. I'm going to be much better than you ever were. But you didn't wow. get that approval. You know, I, I got my doctoral degree and <laughs> he found out I got my doctoral degree. He said, you know what he needs to do now? He needs to write a book. So <laughs> a few years back, I wrote a book and I didn't tell anyone because you're not you're not going to set me up again. I already know the game by now. You're going to, yeah. what are you going to say now, man? You need to go to the moon and man, uh, no, we're not doing that anymore. You're, you're just not going to get it. You're not going to get dad's approval. And if so, you're trying to figure just saying you're not. So the devil's advocate a bit or a lot. Um, was that, was that, could it have been nothing more than just a way of motivating you and pushing you to greatness? And I know that's super generic, but I mean, what, what, what was he trying to push you to a point where you failed and it would be the aha because he, you kept doing it. I mean, you kept answering the other piece and this, this might be the one 
where it gets invasive. Why you? Why you? Why couldn't? Why it sounds like it was only you of the siblings that couldn't communicate directly. How? How did? How did? How did you get on the outside looking in? I'm the oldest. Touche. First, first out the gate. I'm, I'm the oldest man. And as the oldest, you were supposed to follow in dad's footsteps. And I realized, wow, my father was never really pushing me to finish college. He would say, you need to learn a trade. And I, years later, I asked my mother, you know, why was, why was my father always trying to tell me to learn a trade? And why wasn't he trying to, to advocate for for college, I don't understand. She said, because when your father finished school, he was uh, accepted to a medical school up in New Jersey. And she said he was the first black man to get accepted to this medical school. But his father told him, no, you need to learn a trade. Oh, okay. I see where we're going here. I get it. <laughs> Do you still have the book? <laughs> Which one? That you wrote. Yes, I do. I, I, yeah, but it's, it was, uh, it was for, it's Sports Management Academy. And I connected with a sports agent and his name is Michael Chamberlain. And we met in 2015, 2015 or 2016. And Michael loves, he loves teaching. So at the time, Michael was, he was doing public speaking gigs because the guy just loves teaching because he was a professional basketball player. And then he became a trainer and then he became a sports agent. And we connected because he said, hey, I saw that you were a speech coach, man. I, I want to get ready for these gigs. And we would, we would set up training and I said, man, you're pretty good. You, you really have a good story too. and you know, we should package what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And now we hold sports management Academy workshops based on the book that we did. And it's all Michael's story, which is, it's an amazing story, man, about how he started as a player and eventually worked his way up to a trainer and then eventually mm -hmm. worked his way up to becoming a sports agent. And now he's, <laughs> part owner of B'nai Herzliya, a Israeli basketball club overseas in Israel. It's a beautiful story. Wow. So the pro associates was, was birthed at what, what year? What, when did that form? The first, the first time I started when I figured out I need to, I need to just package this it was 2008. I, okay. I would, I would, I would start getting all of these football players in my public speaking class. And why am I getting all these football players? <laughs> like, all right, it's great. Normally you just have students who are trying to take an elective. Hey, I need an easy A. Come on, man. And, and then gradually the word got out that, yo, man, why, why is this class just full of football players. And then when I finally made the connection, the coaches were funneling them into the public speaking class yeah. because they got tired of the way their players were fumbling through these interviews. Yeah. 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 And it cracked me up, man, because that is how, that is how I got started working with athletes and I owe everything to these students who would you've you've seen a postgame interview, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, you know, you know, it is what it is. And a cliche meter just started. Click. Ding, 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 ding. Right. And, and from there, I, I would reach out to to NFL players. And it was in 2014. I connected with I connected with a guy who played for the Packers. And his name is Niall Diggs. And he played with Green Bay, played with the Carolina Panthers. He played with the St. Louis Rams. 
and he wrapped up his career with the San Diego Chargers. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, I'm a speech coach. And I see that, hey, you, you may want to try to get your foot in the door in the television program. And he says, all right, I'm working on the television program now as an analyst, but I do need to get better. So we we started the program and I already have the curriculum because right. I've been doing this for Oh my gosh, for a decade plus. And he eventually got his own segment on that news program out in San Diego. And that's how, and that's how all of that started as far as why I wanted to connect with pro athletes, college athletes, high school athletes. And then it turned into just the pro associates because now I'm just so excited to work with not only athletes, but students, teachers, professionals, people who are people who are nervous about presentation, people who are nervous about on camera presence, people who are nervous about getting in front of a camera and doing a podcast that scares people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's it's not as easy as you think, guys. It's not. So it. Purpose or passion, which 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 is it? Is it both? It's passion because it's so much fun to to work with someone who is willing to get better. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's a student, a teacher, an athlete, anyone who wants to get better. And when you see that person putting in that effort. It's so fulfilling. And that goes back again to, wow, I do enjoy teaching. I enjoy coaching. I enjoy yeah. training. And I'm sure Freud would say, yeah, that goes back to what you saw as a child with your father. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I still, hey, we, I still owe, I owe my father for that. I owe him for that, man. I, the, 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 what is it? The ends justify the means is, Just is, saying. is that? Just saying. So, so there, there's a period where one can listen to the podcast to this point and assumed this transformation I'm about to address happened at the same time. But when did you become this person or were you always you, you said you were looking for attention early on? So <laughs> were you always this expressive? Did you always love the art of language? Because you're a language artist and I'm not trying to blow smoke, but like you're. You, <laughs> You have a command of of words. Like, where did that come from? Trying to emulate my father. My brother James, he told me, he said, he can remember when I would correct people at the bus stop. <laughs> Which also explains why I would always get beat up. I was say you, you had to be the most popular kid. <laughs> Yo, 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 somebody tell Black Encyclopedia Brown, yo, he got to chill with that. <laughs> Correct me one more time. Correct me one more time, cuz. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Definitely. I'm like, well, actually, you, you're you abbreviating a word, <laughs> cousin, that doesn't need to. Oh, <laughs> I was just Hilarious. trying to help you with your. <laughs> your Hilarious. <speech. laughs> so, yeah. Hilarious. I got, I got beat up. All of the time because I couldn't help myself, man. I yeah, I couldn't help it. Like you know, you're ending a sentence with a preposition. Yeah, at keep it up here. Oh, keep yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. I'm just oh. trying to help you out. <laughs> that is hilarious. Again, so where did that come from, Dad? Man, as much as much as you wanted to separate and prove that you were different, all of the things that you got from him are contributing to your success to a large degree. Yes. And (laughs) I have to give him credit for, for, for always being so hard on us, man. We couldn't even, man, we couldn't even watch good times Wow. I, I, I can't. What do you mean I can't watch Good Times? Like yeah. you're not gonna watch that that cooning buffoonery. Like so, I had, you had to go go over wow. friend's house and go friend's house to 
catch an episode of Good Times or turn it off before he got home from work. Oh, oh, change the channel. Change the channel. Click, click, click. Because there were only three channels at the time. But yeah. we were- With the was, pliers? Were you, were you changing with the pliers? Okay, oh, sure. we definitely broke the knob okay. off ours. So we definitely okay. had the pliers. But he, he, was, he was very strict. And my mother tried her best to, to, to buffer. Yeah. But mom was suffering from depression 90% of the time. So she wasn't that much help. Wow. And that meant you were all alone to face dad's wrath every day and dad's discipline yeah. every day. So I would go to school. I would get written up. Sent, I would get sent home for goofing off and acting up because yeah. I was a handful trying to get attention. I would come back from a suspension. As soon as I would get back from a suspension, hey, yo, what's good, everybody? Oh, man, it's so good to be back. I would get sent home again. Right. <laughs> and now as a teacher, I understand those teachers were just trying to teach. Yeah. Like when I was gone, it was paradise. And as soon as I got back, they were, oh my gosh, he's back. He's starting up again. Uh, let me write you up again. Let's send you right back home, buddy. Go home, get another beating from dad. And then that would keep me on the, hmm. hey, that would give you about two days of good behavior. And then I'll start cutting up again. Do you think your, our, your ability to articulate at a very high level helped or hindered your ability to communicate with your family as the lead, as the husband, as the father. Because it, like, just, just like the reference that you gave, getting, getting you beat up, that wasn't effective communication. You were articulating well, you had the rules down pat, but you weren't really reading the room, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, man. No. And, and I learned I learned though, Derek, I wasn't, I wasn't dumb, man. I acted like an idiot and I was the class clown, but I knew how to code switch brother. I can, <laughs> I can code switch with the best of them. Yeah. And I was not dumb enough to run my mouth in, in certain areas of my neighborhood. <laughs> I, I understood very quickly how to code switch. However, when my son was about four or five, we were at Chuck E. Cheese pizza joint. And some girl says, what is you doing? Move, what is you doing, boy? And I heard my son say, it's what are you, are you doing? doing? <laughs> he knows not what he does, but he does. <laughs> I don't understand. What is this girl? I'm going, oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> and I can see her bawling her fist. <laughs> I can see her clenching her fist. And oh, yeah, all right, come on here, buddy. Let's, uh. Leave Lock with Nisha alone. All right, yeah. that's enough fun. Don't do that. Please, please trust yeah. me. Your father has been here. Uh, don't let's not do that, son. Don't correct people. But <laughs> that, so that 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 throws an interesting wrench into the discussion. Did your did your kids ever suffer socially because of how they were um they were trained, they were uh conditioned to articulate and sometimes just like in that situation it doesn't it doesn't come off as being cool or um being down did did they ever have any of those struggles or not so much they went to a private school <laughs> okay. they, they intended, okay. these guys went to a private school okay. A private okay. school up until the eighth grade, yeah. they attended a private school. Okay. So these guys are so acclimated to a a decent a decent form of education. Number one, yeah. But they were also put. They were also loaded up in the car. And driven to family functions in Greensboro, North Carolina, yes. where if you're not careful, someone's going to cuss you out and say, hey, 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 look here, Joe College, you can chill with all that fancy talk. You can chill yeah. with all that. We ain't trying to hear all that here. Yeah. I'm sorry, Grandma. I will 
make sure I clean it up. <laughs> Apologize, yeah, Nana. Didn't mean a thing, you Nana. This yeah. mac and cheese is hitting. Apologize for saying it was delectable. It's hitting. It's hitting. It's hitting. That's better. <laughs> More like it. So they okay. understood how to code switch and flip it back and forth too. Gotcha. Scale of one to 10, how effectively did you communicate with your sons in their teenage years? I asked Barbara, I asked her yesterday, honey, did I do a good job? Did I do a good job? Because they're mm-hmm. both at college now, both of them. Yeah, they're men. Yeah. They're 18 and they're 20. And I ask her all of the time, did I do a good job? I'm always fearful about not doing a good enough job with them as far as being nurturing, as far as being kind, as far as being attentive. And Barbara told me yesterday, she says, you did a great job. You did a great job. And I always have to flip back the Rolodex, which is easy to do. I have a, oh man, I have an elephant's memory uh, capacity. However, when it comes to trying to remember how good I was with my sons or I, it gets sketchy. Yeah. And then I get nervous. I have no idea what that's about. I I, I just don't know. I have no idea. So mine to a lesser degree as my, my story was not as, um, cinematic as yours. You have a very cinematic, (laughs) very rich, uh, screen ready, uh, history with your family. I found myself, I find, I found, I find, hopefully I won't continue to be in this predicament, just trying to overcorrect and missing the moment through overthinking. I know I'm not the only one, but I don't know if you share that same sentiment, if you had some challenges in that, that arena as well. Yes. (laughs) I was always concerned because no matter what you do, dad is still in you. He's still in you. There's a book, Fire in the Belly, on Mm -hmm. being a man. It's written by Sam King. And it's about manhood, being a man. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man in your teenage years? What does it mean to be a man in your 20s and your 30s? Now your 40s? What does it mean to be a parent? What type of parent are you? How do you communicate? What are male gender norms? Well, the male gender norms that you and I are familiar with are, I feed you, I got clothes on your back, and there's a roof over your head. Shut up. Don't don't make any noise. And if you act up, you're going to get a beaten physically. Physically. But gender, the gender norms that I embraced were the complete opposite of everything dad did. So I was always, always willing and and conscious to dad, everything stops, stops. I I just stop everything. You got my full attention. What do you need? Talk to me. Full attention. I, I, I am getting there. Right. (laughs) So Part of my struggle and, and for the loyal listeners, the themes are the themes, right? These are challenges that have come up in every conversation. So I'm not regurgitating this because I'm running out of things to say, but I would gravitate more to the thing that I was successful at, which wasn't parenting. And I put more focus in that thinking that somehow there's a balance. If I'm 90% great at my job, 10%, you know, as a sucky parent, the net net you know, it's still happy family. And it didn't, it, di- it didn't, it didn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Um, so I, I th- this process is really about me being more aware and conscious of how I parent, especially to my, my sons. Yes. I have daughters, people. I love them mm. equally. Ooh. That's just not, it's just not the direction of this podcast. It's applicable. <laughs> <but> <laughs> it's, it's, it's their son. You know, um, Man, there's like, can you come back at some point? I'm not, I'm not cutting it short right now, but can because you, you threw too many, there's it's too many uh, things that, that are going to be 
reverberating in my mind until I get some clarity from you on another conversation. But I want to I want to kind of um, I want to kind of lighten it up as we wind down. Uh, one, one last thing uh, on a more serious note. Fatherhood versus business owner. Which one more informs the other? And the reason I'm asking is because you're dealing with athletes. I would imagine a large concentration are men in their formative years and you're helping them be able to communicate in order to increase opportunities in their life to come. Right. Uh, not afterlife, but, you know, in the later stages of their life, they're transitioning, becoming professionals, whether that's sports, entertainment or otherwise or yeah. uh, normal tracks. Did, yeah. Was that easy because you had all the practice with your boys or did that process help you recognize, oh, I need to address this with my boys. I need to, these are things that I'm giving to the, to these strangers, but I'm not giving it to my boys. Oh, that is an advantage of being a father because I, Sunday, one of my, this is, let's see, this was Sunday night. One of the guys I talked to, because after a while, you end up establishing not only rapport, but a relationship, because I want to always keep in touch with these guys I've worked with, okay. because they'll all tell you the same thing when it comes to agents. Hey, man, how was the last time you heard from your agent? I haven't heard from him since I stopped playing. So <laughs> they had these guys who worked as their mentor and their their counselor and 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 their sounding board but once they finished playing they didn't they have heard from them again gotcha and that resonated and i made a purpose effort to keep up with all these guys i connect with because i can't be the person all right you're good we've trained see you later no we've established a rapport by this point i'm a father and you're a father and the majority of the, all of them are fathers. Mm. And one of the guys called, he played, he played eight years in the NFL. He started with New Orleans Saints and then he played for the Giants. Mm. And he, he called me on Sunday. He says, guess what, man? I got custody of my son. <laughs> you know, like, wow. And it was just the best news yeah. because for six years, he would always talk about how hard it was to try to get custody and how, oh man, she was giving me, a, she's just giving me a hard time, doc. And yeah. man, if her, if her, if her boyfriend says one more thing to me, like, hey, 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 no, you're not going to do that. We're not doing that. Yeah, you are not going to destroy this guy's head, so you right. can't end up in jail. Then you'll never see your son. Right. And being a father really helps with with those relationships. And it's so wonderful to have that advantage because I can share all of all of the mistakes I've made as a father. And I can share all of the experiences that I've had to hopefully make a very, very good impression on, on my sons, man. And it's wonderful yeah. how fatherhood has <laughs> made an impact on what I do with yeah. my business is beautiful. Is there any part of you that still desires for your father to be proud of you and acknowledge you? Yes. <laughs> D I L D you got yo, yo, you're doing the Oprah on me, man. <laughs> Come on, man. You just opened me. You got me. Man. Oh, man, you got me. <laughs> I, I genuinely want to know. Genuinely want to know. Almost got me. Yeah. It's <laughs> got me tearing up here. That's yeah. all right, though. I have no problem with that, but I never, never, no, I never, I never faced that. And now that you mention it, I would I would love for my father to acknowledge, hey, look at this book, man. Hey, let me show you this lineup of professional athletes I've worked with. 
Look at the NBA players I've worked with. Look, look at the NFL players I've worked with. Look at these dope WNBA, play, WNBA players I've worked with. And I, I, let, me, let me show you the, the fruits of, of this training. Look at them. Look, yeah. at this, look at this one right here on television. We actually worked together before she actually worked as an analyst on that game. L- listen to what she's going to say. See, we actually talked about that prior to the game, that phrase right there. We can't. I would love to share that with him. Yeah. But I cannot open myself up again yeah. because I am already familiar with the definition of madness, which is trying to do the same thing. And expect- <laughs> nah, man. Yeah. You're not going to get me again. But I, Derek, I do appreciate you. I do appreciate you opening that up. You, you got me with the Oprah, man. That man, that hit me in the stomach like a, oh wow, that's a gut punch, brother. Hey, hey man. I, so it's always a reflection of me, right? Like this whole process is about transparent, and I appreciate you, you know, not throwing the flag and, and calling it, calling the interview, calling the conversation done. <laughs> I think I think there's a common, there's a common kryptonite amongst all men in this rejection. And we never address it because we're always moving on to the next thing and proving our worth through some physical thing or some accomplishment. I hate rejection. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to ask you to be on this podcast? Seriously. Seriously. And I mean, ultimately, we had the conversation. You was like, dude, I think you're dope. I'm like, oh, you think I'm dope? I, like, I've been... <laughs> I, I didn't want to ask you because even if you had a legitimate reason, <laughs> I'm still working on not feeling some kind of way about you because our schedules didn't align. You know, like I'm it, how petty is that? I'm 42. <laughs> 42 dead, 42 dead. I mean, you know what I mean? Like how how petty is that? But that's the <laughs> that's the reality. And then I had a conversation with my son. The episode that aired. Well, today at the time that I'm recording this was a conversation about me with, with my son about how he how he feels about my approach to him. Ooh. And he didn't want to approach me in certain points because he didn't want to be rejected. Ooh. He felt he had already gone through it in his mind and played it out that the end result was going to be some form of rejection. And I went through that with my dad. I dislike my dad more because of the conversations we didn't have because I had him in my head. And he didn't get a chance to say no, but he had already said no to a lot. So what I'm trying to do is be more aware of my flippant responses to my son. My, it doesn't mean a lot to me when I'm saying it, but in the moment, I don't know what, what he went through to psych himself up to even to, to bring the conversation to me. Yeah. That's where I'm at. So it it wasn't, that wasn't an angle to (laughs) get a moment out of you. Oh boy. Is, is that the same? Is that the same show where you ask your son, "Have you ever seen me cry?" And yeah. he's like, "Well, no." It's like, "Well, how does that make you feel?" Like, "No, no I don't expect to see you cry." <laughs> like, yeah, all right. We, you know, I'm, you know, I'm human too, son. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> yeah. But 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 that wasn't based on his misunderstanding. That was based on the demonstration, the history. I don't know, man. We uh, clearly there has to be a part two, three, four, or series. I don't know. I, I got to do next time. I got to do it in person, man. We got to be in the same room. Um, <laughs> Definitely. I don't know when the next time I'm flying into Norfolk, but this this process is going to have me on the plane um, often. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to watch this back to see what we didn't get get to. I know it's been very, it's been great for me. I'm looking forward to the next conversation. I appreciate you. I mean, we didn't we didn't get to highlight your your business like I wanted to. Um, there were some things in the dynamics of living with the psychologist that I wanted to get into, but I think it was answered in conversation. Like the, the conversation reflected um, how these things have impacted you. Uh, how can the people reach you? if they want to reach if they want to reach out um, just to follow you on social? They're interested in your services. I actually have some friends. I have a friend that's an agent. I have a friend that's an NFL coach. I'm definitely going to connect this, uh, this them with your information because they're in that space. But how how do I guess a quick 
quick summary of your offering, your business offering, and then how people can connect with you if they're interested. I've been a speech coach since 1997, and I've coached middle school, high school, college, and that made way for the business model that eventually grew into coaching athletes, NFL players, NBA players, WNBA players, teachers, students, professionals, because I love coaching. I love training. I love teaching. And I could be reached on Instagram at Dr. Shabazz. And I'm always on Instagram because I have a problem. It's called Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is the solution or the solution is the problem. You know how much work I would get done if I wasn't on Instagram. Like, man, I'm just going to post another tip here. Here's a post-game interview tip. I'm just going to post it. And then I'm going to get off. Two hours later, I'm going, all right, I'm just going to get off. Like, God dang it. I come. I just can't post and ghost. It's impossible. Post and ghost. I can't. I can't. It's impossible. If you tell me. If you could get on Instagram, all right, here is the Dear Son podcast post for today. Zoop, I'm out. I'm gone. If you can look me in my face and tell me that you can do that, you're either lying to me 